Boston. I'll be here in my hometown August 8th for the Flip My Funnel Conference. Come join me. Good afternoon and morning, everybody. This is John Barrows with Hey Make It Happen Monday podcast. Hopefully, you all had a fantastic weekend. I actually spent some time with my my family. My mom and dad were in town, so I had some fun here, and the weather cooperated, so I was super happy. And I'm fired up to have this conversation because I think this is a conversation that isn't being had enough. And uh, and I think we're going to have some really cool uh, things around the SDR role and staying in it. So, would like to welcome to the show Chris Vigo. How's it going, on, man? Hey, man, what's up? Glad to be here. Super excited. Yeah. So, Chris, why don't you just for, again, context here, give everybody a little bit of background of, of where you're coming from, what your role is now, and uh, and then we'll dive into stuff about SDRs. Yeah, sure. So uh, you and I are actually coming up on our on our anniversary. I don't know if you know okay. that. Uh, I met you and Gary Vee on the same day. So you guys have been in a constant fight for my love and attention <laughs> uh, nice as far as like content goes. Uh, and I think you usually win because... I can only take Gary in small doses, uh, but hustle, man. hustle, hustle. <laughs> right. but, but super concentrated doses. So you and I met at Rainmaker 2016 uh, here in Atlanta, presented by Salesloft, uh, which I could not have needed more uh, than anything else in my life at that time. So currently, a little bit about me. I'm a two-time SDR team founder. Uh, I'm kind of on my second rodeo, working on all the mistakes I learned from the first time I found an SDR team. Um, you know, before that, I did about four or five years in an account manager role where I was doing closing both net new and renewal. Um, but I branched into uh, sales development because I, I kind of just saw that becoming a huge explosive need uh, within our community. And, you know, I think that's definitely happened over the last three years. I mean, everyone's kind of doubled down on, on growing their inside team. Yeah. Um, and that's where I became passionate was like, how do we create the best inside team uh, with the new technology that we have yeah. available? Love it, man. And and that's what I want to talk about today, because one of the things I, I read a report from uh, <clears throat> the bridge group that really struck me. I mean, I inherently know this, but but it was good to see the data around it. And, and it also kind of feeds into you know, everybody seems like they're in a rush right now. And, and the data that Trish came out with said this, that SDRs, if they get promoted within six months to an AE role, the failure rate of that transition is around 60%. I think it's like 58%. Whereas if an SDR stays in the role for 18 months before they get promoted to AE, the, the failure rate is like 6%. So 60 versus 6, a 10x factor if you stay a year in the role. But yet we're always seeing kids who uh, after six months, hey, what's my next role? What am I doing next? When am I going to get promoted? And you're also seeing, to your point before we were jumping on this, recruiters calling up and saying, hey, you know, you're at the nine month mark. You, if you're not promoted yet, you should bail, right? You should go to that next job. Yeah, you yeah. should get promoted. So, Chris, let's talk about why. First of all, why do you think everybody's in such a rush? And, and then why is it so important to to the, the SDR role itself to stay in it for a little bit longer than, you know, typically people are, are, are trying to. Sure. So, so, so to touch on the first one, uh, I actually believe that uh, one, there's been a false perception created by recruiters. So if you're a recruiter every day on LinkedIn, I save a screenshot of the most ridiculous 
promotion promises. Honestly, the last one I saw was I think it was six weeks. As long as you hit your numbers for six weeks, you're guaranteed promotion. Anybody can fall into that. Like I'm sure my cat could probably figure it out. Um, So I think there's a lot going on here. I think like one, like organizations are, are also part of that false perception, but I don't think it's intentional. I like to call it the, uh, the the unintentional bait and switch of startups, which is they want to get good talent early, but they also don't know where the company is going to go in the next six months, let alone the next 18 months. So it's really hard to build a career road roadmap. So they kind of fudge it a little. And basically they say, look, if you come in, do all your stuff, here's what's going to happen. Right. Not even knowing if that's legitimately possible. And then when you go into Trisha's failure rate, I think what I've kind of figured out is, uh, so I'm in my fourth year of being an SDR, mm-hmm. uh, which a lot of people listening will probably think that I'm not very good at something because yeah. I haven't I haven't obtained some other made up title that uh, should make <laughs> me feel better. But essentially like, the way I see it is between like month 12 and 18, you kind of unlock this business acumen and that business acumen allows you to know exactly what to do in, in every situation without even thinking. So it's almost like you're, you're operating in your sleep. That unconscious, that unconsciously competent, right? Correct. Yeah. You know, that whole diet, you know, you start with unconscious unconsciously incompetent you don't know what you don't know then you move to consciously incompetent you know what you don't know and then you move to consciously competent which is you know what you know and then you move into the unconsciously competent where you just do it right so you're saying that happens around the the 12 to 18 month mark i think so and i think like as bad as this sounds i think that the rejection actually plays part in it because you're you're basically uh first of all i you were, I think you or someone else told me not to say basically. So I'm going to make words. Yeah, yeah. Uh, essentially, what is happening is that rejection causes it's a little bit of positive, tough love. Too much tough love is super bad, but you get that rejection. You say, Hey, John, look, I've been here for you know nine months. I've never had a bad month. I, it took me one month to ramp. And for the last eight months, I've been crushing it. You know, I think I'm ready for the next step. Want to know what that is? Right. And you go, uh, honestly, we really need you to stay where you are yeah. like that. Like that is a, a little bit of motivation that you go, okay, well, what do I need to do to get to the next step? And then you say, whatever you say, even if it's not true. And then here we are. And so it allows you to go and dig deeper. Cause it was like, I was telling you before the call, like when you think you've hit your limit, you're nowhere close. And like, you just need to double down and keep going. And I think a lot of our, you know, my generation, like you said, they want the easy route. They want to go, all right, I put in the work for nine months. Where's my prize? But really it's like, you know, back in the nineties, this was a career, but it was like lead gen. And it was like, in, you know, it was in tandem with head of marketing. It wasn't some like launch pad. And I want to get away from that. I, I want that perception to stop. And I, and I think you're, I mean, I think you're on point with this because I personally think the SDR is a little bit of a, I don't know if there's a, Hold on a second, uh, my microphone. Um, but I think there's a perception that, that again, you're, to your point, SDR is going to be a launching pad and it's the intro to sales. But if you think about it from a company perspective, 
you're telling me that you're going to, you know, spend all this money on all these tools and resources inbound and everything like that. And then the first interaction you're going to have is from some 22 year old kid who barely even knows what your company does and is going to run a prospect through bant questions and regurgitate some pitch. Like that is not a good first impression for the company. So I actually personally think that the, the SDR role, if you will, is going to become its own, um, uh, career, in the sense that SDR, SDR manager, SDR director, SDR VP, and it's going to report maybe under marketing or operations, but it's going to be a career path that way, as opposed to oh, this is the entree into sales. Correct. Yeah, I I agree. It's a it's a completely different skill set. Like opening and closing, they're both valuable. There's a debate about if they're equal, but they are not the same, and that's where that promotion causes that. Um, I think stumble, right? You take a few, you might get that promotion and you might've earned it based on merit, but like, what is the organization doing to train you on your next chapter? Cause it needs to be seamless, right? Essentially, if you are going to get promoted, I would say like three, at least three months before they need to start, they'd cut your quota in half and they need to start allowing you that flexibility to do both roles. Because one, like you might not even like it. Like I've closed before. It's great. But also I like what I'm doing. So you need to fail. You need to allow your people to fail safely. I think um, a few weeks ago you had, uh, I'm drawing a blank, um, Richard Harris. Yeah. And Richard was saying like, uh, not enough people get to fail. Like, yeah. or they, no, they, fa- they, they get to fail, but it's, it's like immediate. It's like they fail immediately. They don't get to like year three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that that's all about just a, a, most businesses in general, they don't get past that first year, right? Because they start up and okay, and then they fail hard early and, you know, they don't last. And, and it takes some, you fail a lot before you can be successful. I mean, I think that's one of the things that people resonate with a lot of, you know, the stuff that I post out there. Most of the stuff I post out there is stuff I've learned from failing, right? right? So it's like, hey, here's an example. Don't do that because I learned it. Um, and I don't think to your point, I think we need to build up a little bit more of that resiliency of, of failure so that the big ones don't hurt as bad. So when you don't get that promotion, it's not a life ending. I'm going to go find another job. It's okay. You know what? I'm going to double down on this. Right. And, and also, you know, going back to the SDR role and prospecting, I mean, look, I'm a, you know, close. I like closing. I love the relationship side of the house, but I will tell you right now, I mean, I train on negotiation. I train on closing. I train on meeting execution. But there is one solution I always tell everybody to every other problem at every other stage of the sales process, right? Uh, uh, negotiations, objection, handling, discounting, all that gets solved with a big fat pipeline. Like yeah. me personally, I don't really discount at all anymore. I mean, every once in a while, I'll, I'll, you know, if somebody's really pushing or whatever and we can come up with a creative package, I'll do it. But for the most part, I don't. And the reason is because I get a big fat pipeline. Like I'm booked all the way through October at this point. So if you want time on my calendar, you're paying rate card and we're going to October. Right. And when customers push back, oh, come on, Johnny, you're twice as expensive or whatever it is. It's like, well, good for them. Actually, shit, good for me. You know what I mean? Like, I'll be raising my prices here because I want to put myself in a position and I really want people to think about this coming out of this conversation with you and I, which is I want to put myself in a position where I want your business. I don't need your business. Right. Because if yeah. I want it, I sell the right way. If I need it, I do some shady shit. Right. So. Let me ask you, how do you stay motivated? Because I think the, 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 I understand, and I, I'm going to take a step back generational, right? You talked about your generation versus my generation. I'm 42 years old. My generation grew up in the, 
uh, go, 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 like numbers game, right? Yeah. It was like, hey, make fit. Boiler room. Yeah, straight up boiler room, right? And so I think we're in this weird transition because my generation are now the leaders and the managers. And everybody understands that quality is the issue, right? Qu- quality is the, 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 the better approach. Like we got to be focused on account-based marketing and all that shit, right? But yet it's very hard to coach on quality, right? So as a default manager who doesn't get much training in general to be a manager, the one thing I can hold my reps accountable to is numbers, right? I can tell you, Chris, make 50 dials. And if you don't make 50 dials, I can run a report in Salesforce that tells me you didn't make 50 dials. And I can hit you over the head with a little stick and say, make 50 dials tomorrow. It's easier to manage towards an equation, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I actually understand why the SDRs are in a rush to get out of that role, because usually it's a pure numbers game. It's here's these templates, here's this script, make these dials, don't get creative and just do it, right? And I'm telling you right now, if you tell me to make 50 to 100 dials a day, and my only ability is to take email templates that marketing sent me and put them into a cadence and hit play, I'm gonna be wanna, I'm gonna wanna be out of that role in six months. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like get me out of this because it sucks. So with that, as an understanding of why some reps want to get, there's also the ones that are just way too impatient with their careers. So how do you stay motivated after six months as an SDR to, to really hone in on that craft and, and, and really treat it as a craft that you're trying to perfect without getting overly frustrated that you're, you know, haven't been promoted in a, you know, in six months or a year? How do you do that? Yeah. So I think like two things, right? One, like your motivation has to be uh, yours. So my motivation isn't going to work for everyone. My motivation is my wife. Everyone isn't married. So, but you, you have kids. So I know like that's probably your motivation. But I think what's important for anybody who's struggling or, or not sure like where to go, uh, you know, like they feel like they hit that wall. Like, it, like you can either, I'm not saying like if things suck, like just keep going because that's not even a good, that's not good advice. That's advice we give people, but it's not always the right advice. But it's trying to figure out like you're your own competition and only you can beat yourself, right? I think that's super important from like, any sales role to understand because you're going to see you're going to see as uh, people in your company maybe closing bigger deals than you you're going to see people on your team maybe having better months than you but the only way you can win is to beat yourself Mm -hmm. so when it comes to like me personally and going into those long stretches so you know 12 18 months i'm going on i think i'm going on like month 48 in two different industries like I, it's almost like some days I think about the stock market where I understand like eventually it goes down, but like, how do, how do I circumvent the the inevitable, which is by trying different things, trying to beat last month. Um, and, you know, I think you, you talked about it the other day in an article and basically I could sum up your article in like one sentence, which is uh, you need to do what is not asked of you. So you can, so do what is not expected. So you can do the unexpectable. I like that. Yeah, that's what I think the Morgan preaches about that a lot, right? Which is don't just do what you're supposed to do, do extra, right? To be noticed instead of telling, and I say this to my daughter all the time, you know, the difference between ego and confidence, right? The difference between ego and confidence is ego is you tell everybody how great you are. Confidence is you know how great you are, 
right? You don't have to tell anybody. It's the same thing with getting a promotion. Like the people who I know who get promotions faster are the ones who master their craft and go above and beyond what they're expected to do. And then get, then get told, Hey, you know, yeah, you're the, you're the guy I'm going to give you a promotion versus the ones who do what they're quote unquote supposed to do. And then say, why am I not promoted? Or when am I going to get my promotion? I, I know it was a fact for me as a manager, when a rep ever came to me and said, when am I going to get a promotion? Or, you know, at the very basic level, like how much vacation time do I get on the interviews? Like those are reps I wouldn't hire. Um, and if you came to me and said, when am I going to get promoted? I usually tacked on at least two or three months to your fucking cycle so that you've learned that you got to know your role. And by the way, your career is going to be 40, 50 fucking years. Like you're only a year into it here. Like you're going to reach the pinnacle of your career in two years here. Good for you. Right. Yeah. I think that's funny. I think that tacks on to like the millennial, uh, instant gratification generation, which is like, mm-hmm. and, and you know, I talked to Morgan about this, uh, essentially, you know, I met Morgan when he started over at Terminus. And then I think like a couple months later, we both met you. Mm-hmm. And like, I will be completely transparent and humble. Like Morgan is that guy for me who I mm-hmm. go like, what's going on? Like, you know, I'm super successful. I want to be him. Him and I've talked about this, but that's where it's interesting. Cause like, we don't have anything remotely like in common other than our job. Mm-hmm. Like I have a wife. He's mm-hmm. traveling. Like that's yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like we're all living these different worlds and we are all in different lanes. And that's why I think it's really tough uh, to not kind of like get caught up in that, but kind of like you said, right. Instead of, uh, you know, the difference between ego and confidence, right. If you're confident, you just do your, you do your work uh, for for all, for you and all your Pat's people, right. Just do your job. I have to <laughs> say that job. even though it hurts. Um <laughs> I'm now I'm kicked out of Atlanta, but essentially (laughs) like if you, you just have to do your job and then really be undeniable because the numbers speak for themselves, right? The hours speak for themselves. You can't be that guy who's like maybe at like 75 to 80% and asking for a promotion. I mean, I think there's definitely a place for B players. I also think we, we messed that up way too quickly. uh, Oh my God. We all think we're all stars and we can only have a players, but I think if you want to get that promotion, you can't, you can't ask and you just have to be undeniable. And I learned through failure. Mm-hmm. What were some of the biggest failures you've had uh, throughout the, you know, the, the SDR career life cycle, if you will, that you've learned the most from? Uh, okay. So I think really it was just at being premature in my expectations, right? Like you said, like a career, I'm 31. So like, presumably I've got another 30 years at least. Um, yeah. So why am I, in such a hurry to do something else. And that all goes back to your circle, right? If your circle is doing things you want to do, like that's okay. But understand that like one, they might be in a different industry Two, they might be better than you. And that's a hard pill to swallow. I don't think that's what's going on with me personally. I just think that I joined a company that was pre-revenue with a handful of customers that had no idea where we were going to go in the next 12 months. And I expected different things. We weren't, I wasn't on board I wasn't in line with, with everybody else, but that was like, a per, that's that accidental bait and switch. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so now you know what to look for. Right. Um, and, and you said that premature thing. And what do you use to like, again, I want to kind of get in the mind of an SDR because I remember for me, you know, when I was 25, 26, you know, I started a company outsourced IT, but I was just a, you know, I was the VP of sales and marketing, but it was a joke. Cause you know, it was 25. So, yeah. um, so, uh, 
Right. Yeah, exactly. So I made those dials. Right. And my motivation was very driven by a bigger purpose in the sense that I, I, I started the company. I was with some friends and we were doing this and we were all in it together. Right. I look today and I say, OK, how would I stay motivated? I mean, I, I think I'm a pretty, per, you know, individually motivated person anyways. Right. And I think some people are more motivated than others based on different things. Like you said, family, lifestyle, whatever it is. But I look in and I say, look, if I was I was if I was sitting in a in an office these days as an SDR, being told to make fifty dials, being told to send out cadences, how would I stay motivated? What are some of the things that you can share with people who are sitting in those roles, who are sitting in there, and it's nine months in, they're seeing their friends get promoted, they're good, right? So it's not like they're you know that much worse than everybody else, and they just straight up suck. But they're seeing maybe in other companies their friends getting promoted, and they're starting to get antsy. Like, how do you stay motivated? Or what are some of the tips or things that you do that we could share with the audience here of how they stay motivated to stick, stick with that so that they can get to that 18 month or that close to that where they really own that role and know it inside and out. So they, they hit that unconsciously competent phase. Is there some things sure. you can share with people? Yeah. Yeah. So first I would say like one uh, most important thing is give everything a year, right? It's like a magazine yeah. subscription, like give it a year. Yeah. Uh, because what, what I keep seeing, what I see in interviews is nine months, nine months, nine months. And I'm like, okay, what's it going to take for you to get to 10 months? And they go, right. probably a promotion. I'm like, oh, that's not going to happen. Like, right. just get that out of your head right now. And mm -hmm. I think it's just that lack of commitment for a calendar year. Because mm -hmm. honestly, even if you're, you know, even if you're amazing, that's when good things happen to you. But good things don't happen to you when you, you hop around. And, you know, we said, I said it earlier, like, don't stay because you're unhappy. But find a way, find your own happiness um, and to stay motivated. Right. Uh, I actually have a list of like celebrities and like when they started. I think like mm -hmm. the most recent one I added was Letterman. He actually was a weatherman until he was about 30. And then, yeah, he, moved, yeah. then he moved to L.A. OK, so like I'm 31. Letterman was a, a weatherman at 30. So I still have time to be a great like late night talk show host if I if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, find your motivation through your circle, right? So maybe your friends aren't your circle and mm -hmm. that's a tough pill to swallow. It's like, how do you cut the fat to make sure you're surrounded by people who are going through the same thing as you, but not encouraging you to lose motivation. Another thing I would say is like, you talk about pipeline, right? Uh, you want to be the best SDR you can be, build your pipeline. So yeah. tomorrow, uh, today's the last Monday of July and yeah. I already have stuff for September, right? So you want to talk about how do you make your job uh, more manageable is yeah. by mastering the art of the follow-up so you can build pipeline so that come September, I'm not very stressed, right? We're going into the slow season of fall, but you know, I'm already at like 30% of where I need to be, which means that I should actually get to like 130% that month because I have nothing else to do, but tack on. Yeah. And I think if you want to think about motivation here, it's like, if you're somebody who wants to be given things, okay. You're, you're, you're motivated differently than I am. Okay. But if you don't like being handed stuff like, Oh, easy, the easy way out. If you like working for things, then the rest of your career, um, you never want to, and I said this earlier, right. You never want to, I never want to rely on somebody else to hit my target. Right. So even if I become an AE senior, AE enterprise level baller of all ballers, which I would even just, 
I, we could have an argument on that one because yeah. um, you and I both agree. I think the SDR role is just as, if not more important than that senior level AE. Um, but even if you do become, if you ever get to the point where you're like, oh, well, I didn't hit my number because I didn't get the lead from the SDR or my marketing engine didn't turn on, you get fired like that. Like, you, because you could be the best A player out there. But if you don't have a process to be able to fill your own funnel with stuff, the minute you miss your quota, it doesn't matter how great you are on the back end. If you can't hit your quota because you can't hunt, they're going to let you go. And so I always looked at SDR stuff and marketing and those type of things as the icing on the cake. I want to bake my cake because uh, I want to eat right now. All the cool shit on top of it, the frosting and the strawberries and all that other stuff. Like that's what the SDR brings to me. But without perfecting that in the first part of your career, you're never going to be that great at it. If you look at it as, oh, this is just something I have to do to get to the cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have a short career in sales, in my opinion. Right. No, I, I think that's super valuable. Uh, you know, essentially where I'm at now, we are channel based, which means that everything we do has to go on a the, through the channel and on someone mm -hmm. else's paper. So the way I actually look at the pie for di diversification standpoint is like inbound, outbound channel. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you yeah. actually can add a fourth slice, which is the, you know, the regional sales managers, the account executives. So I want to be I, obviously I want to hit my goals, but I want you to look at me and say, thank you. Right. You're, you know, whatever, you know, whether it's five, 10, 15 meetings a, a month, it's like whatever you get me, this is just icing on the cake, like you said. Right. And that I think that's super uh, important to set that like precedent, because. If the precedent's not set that way, the relationships will be tough. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're always the one who's, you know, taken and not given, man, it, it, again, like I said, even though sales is a, is an individual sport, if you will, it's not, it's a team sport in every way. And if you treat it as an individual sport, then again, you better be damn good. You better right. be damn good to be out there by yourself. But Otherwise, using, you know, leveraging other people and their different skills to be able to get to where you need to go, but also having an understanding of those roles, because that's the other thing. It's like, so, to your point, some people just, once they get into the closer role, they're like, ah, I don't like this as much. And they're, they actually like management more. But if you didn't really perfect the craft as an SDR, you're never going to be a good SDR manager. Right. Um, and then you're going to get into the field and then you're going to be like, oh, shit, now let me go back. And now what do I do? So it's kind of like Picasso, my favorite artist. One of the things I love about Picasso is that whatever medium he chose, he went all in on that medium, right? Yeah. So if it was oils, he went for like years, he'd studied and perfected that craft. And then he moved to another, you know, the, you know, cubism for a period. And then he moved to the blue period, you know, and, and it was, he wasn't doing a little bit of a lot. He was going deep on one thing. And I couldn't recommend that more, especially as you go throughout your career, because it is a building block, right? Yep. You do this, then you do this, but if you don't, crush this you're not going to be good here so um I, I know you posted out there uh a question like hey who's got a question and you want to give away some gear here so yeah was, what was one of the favorite questions you got from uh from somebody that was on that post yeah let me pull it up so you know the, the whole thought was like i've spoken to you a handful of times in person but not everyone gets to speak to you right so i need to make this <laughs> not about me as much as it is about the people uh so here here's the question that uh I stumbled on. Uh, it's actually two, so we're gonna do two things. Okay. We're gonna do an extra. We're gonna do an extra batch. All right, cool. We're, we're doing it live. So, right, uh, I love it. This question was uh, by Bradley Tier, and okay. it was uh, in in regards to cold calling. Do you have a pregame ritual uh, that you use before you start dialing? And so, 
I want to hear what you have to say. I'll provide my thoughts too. Yeah. So I see Bradley. Hey, hey, gentlemen, he's up here right now. Um, so, um, so thanks for the question, Bradley. You know, for me, it's about getting in the right mental state, right? Because cold calling is a bitch. I, I do not recommend to anybody that they sprinkle cold calls throughout the day. I mean, like, I think that's a drastic waste of time, like making two or three phone calls, sending an email, making a phone call, writing a proposal, drastic waste of time. I call them power hours and I don't just do power hours. I, I like where it's just, I'm calling anybody because my, my, theory on this and my practice on this is this is I'm just not smart enough and, and I don't have enough brain capacity to call a CIO in the healthcare industry, a director of IT in the manufacturing industry, a CFO in the whatever industry and have relevant good conversations with each of them. With that approach going all over the place, I have to be general with my approach. I have to have a generic elevator pitch and I have to have a generic questions and yeah. say stuff like tell me about your priorities. But if I call every VP of sales in the SaaS industry, I can come up with a message that speaks to VPs of sales in the SaaS industry. I can come up with two or three questions that are relevant to, see, to VPs of sales in the SaaS industry. And I might even have a story to tell, like a case study or something like that. So my pre-game ritual is to figure out who that persona is that I'm calling, what message I'm going to use, what questions I'm going to ask them, what objections I probably am going to face, and what are my responses, and what's the story, right? And so I, I come up with that, and then I get my list down, I get my numbers right, so I'm not doing research throughout that call blitz. And then I stand up, kind of crack the neck a few times, I stand up when making cold calls, and then I hit the phones. And I, you know, the reason for my call today is, and I, and I hum through it and then I go a what, when, why approach to send me information. So I don't kill my momentum. Right. So I said, what, you know, what information would you like to see? When would you like to see it? And I'll usually say, is it okay if I get it to you by the end of the day? Because most people, yeah, sure. No problem. And then I hang up activity, next call, next call. Because most people send information, hit send, feel like they did something, stretch out, walk around, whatever, and it crushes momentum. So that's kind of my pregame ritual. Um, and, you know, for me, it's just kind of getting hyped up a little bit, maybe hit a little Red Bull or something like that just to get yeah. the juices flowing. But for that hour, I'm in it. So I, I will actually say, and this is a, a great piece of advice for everybody, right? I do something that I do the opposite of what you do. Uh, I want to get that email out as fast as possible. Um, if, in fact, I... This is one of those things you can template, mm -hmm. um, and and you got to make it. You got to you got to make the template, and you got to make it so that you stop typing stuff. Right? If you tell me you want information, obviously I'm going to do what you just said. I'm going to say, okay, what do you want? Yeah. You know, based on what we do and based on what you do, like it could be a variety of different things. Like what's more important to you? But I try to get it out immediately because I've actually seen that open rates go up. Not cool. saying, but that's what's really cool about sales is that. We can both be super successful and we can completely do different things. Mm -hmm. um, I'm with you. I stand up. Um, I do the Superman pose. Yeah. You really got to like, you know, put your hands behind your back, pump out your chest. You got to feel, you got you to feel yourself. Um, yep. I, I, I usually have one song that I listen to. I listened to it b before today. Uh, it's, it's Britney Spears work bitch. So I'm going to put that where it needs to be. But I promise you that if you listen to that before anything you do, it will hype you up so high that no one can stop you. Um, and then, like you it. said, so standing, get you a pump-up song, you know, do, do the Superman and, like, do some breathing exercise, right? Because, like you said, like, this isn't fun until you kind of get in the, the motion. Well, 
That's an, and then that's one I want to chime on real quick here, which is most people, they don't have a good approach to prospecting. So they, and they don't have a good mentality when prospecting. So they go into it, like, I'm sorry, cold calling specifically. Yeah. So they go in with this, oh, fuck, I got to make cold calls, right? And if you're not prepared, you don't have some structure to it. And you're going in with this negative, fuck, I got to make calls. Your call blitz is going to suck. And you're, you're not going to get results. And that's going to feed into the perception that phone is a waste of time. But if you go into it and say, fuck it, what's the worst thing that could happen here? I'm going to make some phone calls. I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to walk around a little bit and enjoy myself here. That 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 enthusiasm comes through and usually it produces much better results. You got to find a certain like air and yeah. kind of float on the air. You know, one thing I would also say is like not just doing these power hours and then suffocating. Right. So yeah. when you're done with that hour, find like 10 minutes, go outside like right. and just do nothing. Don't bring your phone. Right. Walk around. Go outside and just listen to the cars passing and, mm-hmm. you know, the birds and the bees and all that fun stuff. And don't do anything work related because if you, you know, if you support two account executives, I support five. So wow. like essentially if you don't find time to breathe, like you will drown and yep. people are going to let you because we can't save everybody. So it's important to say, and this is what I was, I, I do, uh, it's called the, the Pomodoro technique. So it's 25 minutes on five minutes off. And like my computer will literally like lock up. It's mm-hmm. this neat little app. I'll, uh, I'll send you the link, but essentially like oh. after the 25 minute mark, like you can't do anything until the five minutes is up because it's telling you to not be in this go, go, go. Sometimes you got to slow down to speed up. Yeah. And especially when it comes to like taking care of yourself, Definitely. because we all just go all in and it's not, it's not great. Trust me, man. It, uh, it, I, I kind of took a page out of Gary Vee's book in the sense that I, I, my health was definitely not something that I was paying attention to for the past 10 years, give or take. I mean, I'm lucky in the sense that my frame, uh, support, like I, I, I can look good in a t-shirt, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, for a while. Um, but, but I was just a, a dumpster and I'm sitting there going like at 42 years old, I don't have the energy to, to treat myself like shit anymore and still go. So I, I had to, you know, about six months ago say, you know what, I got to now reprioritize and take a step back and give myself time so I could take that next step forward for my own health. Right. So now I'm, I'm trying to go to the gym. I'm trying to eat a lot healthier and those type of things, but I have, I have to force that in there or else I'm going to fall apart and I know it. No, I what's totally. The, what's the other question yeah. you got? Uh, so the other question was, uh, from, uh, let's see, from Simon Kennedy. Yeah. So Simon says, uh, at the beginning of your sales career, what were the three things you most commonly did that you believe encouraged people to not show up to calls or to ghost you? Um, Early in my career, I wasn't too good at that, man. I People ghosted me all the time. Uh, the you know the good news was I did a lot of face-to-face selling, so I would just show up on site anyways. Even if they were trying to ghost me, I would track them down and stalk the shit out of them. Um, now over the phone, what I do is, because I'd say 98% of my sales are over the phone, um, I said, you know, you can, you can look this up and, and, uh, Lucas, if you listen to put the agenda email in there, which is, uh, I sent an agenda the day before I called it shared agenda, looking forward to it. You know, so first of all, meeting invite on the calendar, obvious, but I don't put the agenda on that meeting invite because, um, nobody looks at that, right. They just hit accept. And so the day before I'll send an email called the shared agenda, say, looking forward to our meeting tomorrow, not, are we still on in order to get the most out of our time together here? I put together a brief agenda 
here's two or three points, usually three. And I usually start pretty high and then and a little bit more specific. And then I leave billet four, five, and six open, effectively telling you fill in the blanks. And then if you don't respond to that, I update, that's okay. I update the meeting invitation the morning of, and I put the agenda in there. So I put it in there as an update. So the time doesn't change. Yeah. But when the update comes, somebody's like, why is it updated? So they look in there and that, that alone has reduced my no-show rates by about 50%. Yeah. And so I will say I took that page out of your book. Uh, what I recommend is actually the, it's like a meeting sandwich, right? Essentially, if, if I it, it, if you tell me you want to spend time with me, whether it's via an email or over the phone, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to send you an email. This is before I send you a calendar invite. I'm going to send you an email. I'm going to change the uh, subject line to our call, the date and the time. I'm going to say, hey, John. You know, thanks for talking to me today. Looking forward to our call on July 31st at 2 p.m. Eastern. Here's what we're going to, and then I, you know, I use one sentence to be like, uh, I want to use this time to talk to you about this at your company. Uh, let me, you know, you'll see a calendar invite shortly. Let me know if anything changes. And uh, I, I kind of took this from you uh, from a threading perspective. And that is then depending on how far out the call is, if it's a week, I will, uh, like if it was next Tuesday, I would actually try to send you something relevant, maybe like Thursday or Friday, or maybe Saturday, something for you to absorb pre-call, whether it's the deck so that we can have a conversation and I don't have to read to you, um, or something that I just might think you think, you know, something I think you'll find interesting just to say top of mind. Then what I do 24 hours before is I send you the, you know, the confirmation. So, you know, I'll say, hey, John, just friendly reminder, confirming our call for tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern. Here's the Zoom, WebEx, whatever you use link. Mm-hmm. And here's the agenda. So that's where I put your shared agenda. Cool. And then the, the one, uh, the last, and then what you can do is, then what you can do when it's over is you can follow up uh, with your post-call meeting, mm-hmm. which is, you know, yeah. you, you have another thing on that. It that's just allows the continuity. Area. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, There's, and that structure is important, right? To put structure, to prep for the meeting. The, the thing that I think is important about that summary email, or the, the agenda is to show that you've done some homework. So it's not just a templated agenda. It actually shows you might have done a little bit of homework on their website, like a question about something that they had, you know, something that happened. Because I think the more people understand that you've actually are preparing for this meeting. So taking time to prepare for it, it's going to be a legitimate meeting the more likely they are to show up to it. If they think it's just another sales call where they're going to ask get asked bank questions in a shitty demo, they'll but they'll flake on that all day every day, which is what I do. You know, I look at my days and I I told you, you know, I I usually train Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and I have Mondays and Fridays to actually have meetings with people. Yeah. And so usually Mondays and Fridays back to back to back to back to back to back literally every half an hour, right? And almost every week I I look for I need a I need a break. I need a 30 minute break so I can catch up on shit. And I have my whole calendar color coded and I look at it, I, you know, and I say vendor meetings and there's a certain color for vendor meetings. And I look at those and I open it up. And if there's no agenda, if I don't really remember what that's for, those are almost every single time. The ones I say, sorry, dude, I'm going to have to bail. Sorry for the late notice. Pick another time. And it happens over. But if I open up that agenda and I can tell that this rep has been active sharing insights with me or whatever it is and preparing for this meeting and there's an agenda in that meeting and I know what we're there to talk about, I'll usually be like, oh, shit. All right. Let let me at least jump in on this, see what this guy has to say. For sure. And I think, you know, we talk about personalization all day long. So we're, you know, blue in the face. But if we're not personalizing the people that have accepted our time, 
that's a, a, a bigger thing. Lucas wants me to ask one more question. He's he's really excited about all the, the questions we got. Uh, so this yeah. is from Greg Freeman. Uh, Greg is yep. overseas in the, the UK. Uh, his question was, uh, what is the one thing that will keep an SDR committed and focus uh, to the company and on growing business? So my opinion here, uh, you're, you're probably you're going to be a lot more specific with this. I'm going to take this up a notch and, and talk about vision and, and where they fit. So I wrote a post a little while ago that said everybody needs a vision, right? If you ever want somebody to do outside of the personally motivated people who just want to be awesome in their careers and are self-driven, if you ever want somebody to, to do more than what they're asked for, uh, more than what they're asked of, you got to give them a vision of where the company is going. Not just where they are going, but where is the business going? Are you on track for an IPO? Are you trying to sell the company or whatever it is? So leadership has to be clear on where we're going and then help you figure out where you fit in that equation. And it's and it's this you know Christmas tree or upside down funnel where the vision of the business, then the VP of sales or whoever that is, how do they, you know, what is, what are their priorities? What is management's priorities? And there's, where's yours and how does that all fit in? Because if yeah. you don't know where you fit, you'll never do them more than what you're asked for. And you'll be motivated to know that, yes, you've done, your, you've done yours, but it helped the team get here. That's how you get people motivated to keep showing up and doing more than what they're asked for. So I think this is the quintessential icing on the cake question yeah. that, that kind of goes and summarizes everything we talked about. So like my things are, it's more than one, but it's it all goes back to the vision, right? It's FaceTime with the CEO and the VP of sales, you know, recognition within the organization, especially if you're an SDR, like you already feel like you're the lowest rung of the ladder. So recognition, like it cannot be missed. It, I don't even, it doesn't even matter if it's one time, like if a deal closes and you're missed one time, like once resentment hits, you're never going to get over that hurdle. And, you know, it sounds simple, but it's just, that's, what's important to uh, the young professionals. So Kind of to your point, right? Like it's into, it's actually an interesting problem that needs to be solved, which is how do you maintain that funnel, that vision funnel as you scale? Because a lot of us are joining startups. So right. eventually the way it works is, you know, you might have access to these people, but then the walls go up and then the silos happen. And then next thing you know, to get to your CEO, you got to talk to five or six people and that's not cool. Nope. So it's tough. And I think that's why it's incumbent upon leadership to make sure that that message is still being translated. But you as a sales rep, I think if you so forget, let's now let's shift it from the company and their responsibility to articulate that vision. But then let's shift it to you and your vision. So I used to laugh, you know, when I used to get interviewed and be like, oh, what do you want to be in five years? You know, I thought it was a stupid question because um, it was, oh, it would be a manager. But now I think now 42 years old, I've reversed my opinion on that on, on that question. I think it's an extremely important question you need to ask yourself. Because I, I get kids all the time who come, hey, John, I'm frustrated. I've been in this role, blah, blah, blah. And I'll ask them, what, where, where do you see yourself in five years? And I mean, lifestyle-wise. Forget about job for a second here. Right. Lifestyle-wise, what kind of house do you want to live, car, wife, kid? Like, what's that look like for you five years out, okay? And most of them have no idea. And I'm like, okay, well... Paint that first, yep. right? paint that vision first for yourself and then back into that vision. Say, OK, well, based on that, what kind of money do I need to make and what kind of lifestyle, uh, what kind of uh, job do I need to have to be able to live that lifestyle? Right. And then based on that, where am I? In, where am I today? Because if, if where you are today, I always tell people, look, I can eat a shit sandwich for a year if you want me to, if it's going to help me get to that next level based on my plan. 
Right. But if it's not going to, if I don't have a plan, then I'm just going to go from shit sandwich to shit sandwich to shit sandwich, looking for that better tasting shit sandwich. And I'm going to be somebody who's told what to do their entire lives. And my point on this is this, is that if you are not setting goals in your career, if you are not setting goals, then somebody else is dictating the path. Plain and simple. If you're setting goals, you're dictating the path. Now, you might not reach those goals, but at least you're driving towards them. And without them, how can you possibly stay motivated? Yeah. Right? So that's my thing is either the company gives you a vision so you can feel bigger part, but you as a sales rep need to say, I got to have a vision for myself because this SDR role, it's a piece of a much bigger puzzle here for me and my career. And if I, and if I skip this step, then I'm going to build my career on a house of cards and eventually it's going to fall apart. It'll be vol- It'll be really volatile. Exactly. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I think you and I could have a conversation about the SDR role forever, um, but uh, we do have to go. We're like 15 minutes over, yeah. which is u- unusual for my usual uh, Make It Happen Monday. So thanks for this. And uh, But for everybody out there, uh, Chris, how, how can they find out more about you? Because I do want to, first of all, thank you for being such an active member of the uh, Make It Happen and, the, and the, just the Jay Barrows community. Both Morgan and I really appreciate all the stuff you share and questions that you have. Um, and I think you're doing a great job just, you know, professing the, the importance of the SDR role in general and how it shouldn't just be this thing that people don't either respect or, or try to skip over to get to what supposedly is the cool job. So how can people figure out um, you know, where to find you? What's the best way to get in touch with you, those type of things? Yeah, best way to get in touch with me is on LinkedIn. Um, I try to be pretty active over there. Cool. Um, so that would be, yeah, that'd be it. Okay, cool. And it's Christopher, right? So it's, uh, I know it's Chris, but yeah, it's yeah. on LinkedIn. It's Christopher. Uh, yeah. yeah. F-A-G-O, uh, right? Correct, yeah. For uh, for everyone on LinkedIn, yeah, it's just Christopher Fago. Uh, I'm probably the only person that you'll find, so it makes cool. it easy. Appreciate awesome. the time today. I knew we would go over. Yeah. I should have I given you that heads up. Nobody nobody can talk to me for the exact amount of time they expect. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's like, hey, we didn't have an agenda, right? That's, yeah. why, that's part of the reason why I didn't control it, but I, I, I always love to see where the conversation goes. So thanks again so much, Chris, for this. Um, uh, everybody out there listening, iTunes. We also, I, I'm going to promote this again. We got uh, approved for Spotify. So we're on Spotify right now with the podcast. It's crushing it. Um, so keep the questions coming and make it a great week. All right. Make it happen, everybody. Thank you. But, uh...